Welcome to Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Jan McIntyre. Thank you for joining us on Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. Today, our special guest is Shirley Gould. Shirley comes to us with a wealth of information from her life experience as a missionary, a pastor's wife, a former women's director for the state of Tennessee, and she is an author writing Christian fiction. So let's jump right in. Shirley, could you tell us just a little bit about you? Uh, my husband and I have done every single job there is in church work. We've been the kids pastor, the children's pastor, the youth pastor, the associate pastor, the the missionette director, the boys ministry, the role ranger director. We've done it all. We've been the pastor. We've been the and pastor for 20 years and then the missionary and then the executives in the district office. And then he was superintendent and then he went to heaven. We've done it all. Everything that can be done in church work. So I understand And I do uh, understand the way you have to walk and the way you live as a pastor's wife. And I'm so glad to share some of that with you today. So Shirley, how did you learn how to be a good pastor's wife? Uh, You know, I just had to follow the examples that were around me while we were youth pastors. There was two jewels that were in my life while we were youth pastors. One, her name was uh, Ruby Mm -hmm. and she was vivacious in her worship, in her Bible study. And I just followed the lead and be, and she showed me how to do this. She showed me how to greet people at the door. She showed me how to move the crowd along and, and touch this one and touch She I watched her and I learned from her. But the next pastor's wife was nothing like her, but she was a jewel. Her name was Pearl. And she was, she had a secular job but she was a woman of prayer and intercessory. So uh, intercessory prayer. And so I watched her and I would see, she was not like Ruby at all, but there was a depth in her spirit and a in, in tune with the Lord that, that, that on another level that I had never seen. And I've seen her speak kindly and quietly to a situation and the Lord just heal it, heal wow. a relationship between a family, two families, quabbling in the church heal a situation in a business meeting the lord would say just speak through her and use her and then she would be quiet again so uh, i'm a little bit loud and boisterous but i learned a quiet spirit and listening to the still small voice from pearl so different people will teach you different things but you've got to be observant and watch and that's what i did and so i tried to be a balance of both women and it's worked for me so far i think i'll keep going there That's good. That's good. So what would you say to pastor's wife that they're not blessed with a pearl or a ruby in their life? How are they to learn? I think I read a lot of books about being a pastor's wife. I read stuff online about being a pastor's wife. And there's a lot of it out there now. There's a lot if you begin to look for it. But all of it doesn't apply to you. And not it's like trying on somebody else's shoes. They're not going to fit. And their bunions are not going to be in the place where your bunions are. And your broke toe is not going to fit with that strappy thing that they're wearing. It doesn't work. You have to be the best you that you can be. And that's what works. Because God knew you were in that picture when he put you with that church. They needed what was in you for them. And they don't know it. And you may have to just quietly, gently, you know, massage that and get get to know them and say, but... 
but we can't do it that way because it would hurt that one. And, and let's think of this way and give ideas and quietly minister and pray for people. And, oh dear, how were you feeling? You were bad last week and constantly showing compassion and, but be the best you, you can be. You know, one thing I've learned is uh, that you can, uh, I would want to get angry at some of the people because they just wouldn't hear the word and wouldn't change. I just said, I, I want to just shake them and make them do right, but you can't do that. So I would have to quiet me down like a pearl and just quiet me down. And, and then uh, because I had to learn, you have to, it's better to be righteous than to be right. Oh, that's good. And I had to learn that because I could blow a situation up or I could calm it down. Mm-hmm. I could put a little bit of wisdom and I can speak a verse. Why don't you look that up? Read that and see if it speaks to you. Cause it did me when I was facing this too, you know, or something like that. So the Lord had, but the Lord had to drop those things into my life to help me at that time. So you've got to be just the best you, you can be, but you got to try to be as righteous as you can be with those church people, because sometimes they don't read their Bible and you're the only Bible they read. Yes. You know, and that's sad for church people, but it's true. There's one lady I heard last week. She said, I read it once. I read it once. I, so I don't need to read it again. It hadn't changed, but she has, and she hasn't learned anything because she doesn't stay continually in the word because the Lord illuminates different parts at different times for what you need at that moment, but they don't get it. But we, we just have to keep prodding, keep massaging it, but be the kindest and the most righteous example to them. You can be and keep your righteous indignation to yourself, you know, because you just blow up situations and your husband has to fix it. And then you get in trouble on both ends. You just get in trouble with God and your husband. And that doesn't work. I don't like that either. So, uh, you know, I, it, I hope that answers your question. Uh, just to be the best you. Yes. Because God knew you were in this equation when he called your husband to be that pastor. Or when you stepped into the pastorate role. Uh, because there's a lot of women pastors we may be speaking to today. Be the best you you can be. And a soft answer turns away wrath and give yourself time to get away and pray about that and say, let's talk, let's revisit this again in a couple of days. And then that gives you time to get along with the Lord and then revisit that subject. That's good. That's very good. You've kind of already answered this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So Shirley, does God use our own personalities in ministry or do we need to fit into the mold of Pearl or uh, someone else? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And no, God uses you just like you are. I have a friend, her name is Jana, very rich. Her youth group didn't go in an old school bus to camp. They were in a charter bus. I mean, what Jana wanted, Jana got because she was rich and she could pay for it. I mean, she could give a Porsche to her uh, or a Jaguar to her boyfriend for his birthday because she had the money. I mean, she was, but, but she was nice. I loved her. I loved her, but she was nice. But And she was always in the same church. She's grown up in that church. And then her husband became the associate pastor of the church. And that's great. People just put up with Jenna and love Randy. They put up with Jenna and love Randy. But then all of a sudden the pastor passed away and they voted Randy in as the pastor. Great decision. Amazing decision. But their eyes got big when they realized Jenna was their pastor's wife. But in her, she lost her money along the way and not her, her personally, her family did. So the money dwindled and she had to start cooking for herself and tying her own shoes. And, you know, she started being normal like us. But in her, there was amazing capabilities to be a leader. 
Amazing capabilities for compassion for the lost, compassion for the underprivileged. Amazing capabilities and talent. She's a wonderful singer, but talent to speak, talent to minister, talent to, there was so much talent in her. They never saw it because of the dollar signs. The people never saw it, but God has molded and made her and, and gradually she changed with the job. She's grown into the job. She, she just runs everything. She is amazing. She's a go-getter. She is, but God saw those talents in her when she was that prissy little rich girl. God saw what was in her and has made it bloom and bloom. And she is reaching masses with her ministry. She's just an amazing example of just be who you are. God will use, there, there's stuff you don't know you have capability to do. You, there's stuff you've experienced and you think, I want to just hide that. I want to just hide that. But that maybe that's not what God wants you to do. He may want you to get over that, build a bridge and get over it, and then teach somebody else who's experiencing the very, experiencing the very same thing. As we go through the different phases of our lives, things change. Mm -hmm. different seasons, things changed. When I became a widow, things changed. Uh, You know, empty nest, things changed. Things changed. And as we change with that, your church changes too. I don't like change. I want things to stay the same. I want my traditions to stay the same. And we have to go with that because God changes us through that time, grows us through that time. And if you'll look back, you'll see God used me a little bit back there, used me a little bit here. Yeah, maybe he can use me. And then it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows until someday, I mean, do what I'm doing. I took my husband's sermon and I'm putting them in a devotion book. He left me, but he didn't take the sermons to heaven. So they're mine. So I'm, you know, he and I are writing a book together, but you know, if you're, you are a teacher of the word, why not write a Bible study? If you're, you're a preacher of the word, why not use those things God gives you and spread them farther in a devotion book? You know, there's, there's things we can all do to supplement our income, which we all have to do from time to time in the ministry. Be uh, at, say, Lord, show me what you want me to do and how you want me to learn and me to grow. And you'll go through some difficult times, but then you can teach that to somebody else Amen. who's going through the same thing. That's and, and that's what it's all about. And it's just letting be like a pod popper and just lead them to Jesus. And so it's, 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 that's how it is. And just uh, your women will love you and your, and they'll follow you. And um, it, that's, that's, that's what we do this for just to, to reach one more for Jesus. What is the difference as a pastor's wife or female pastor? What is the difference in being yourself and using that as an excuse to be brash or rude? Just because you're in the position of leadership doesn't make everything you do right. Mm. You still have to answer to the Lord for your attitudes and your actions. I understand getting perturbed and losing patience in difficult situations in churches, but we still have to be the righteous one and say the right things and not turn people away from the church because of me, because of how we handled this or that. As long as you're working with people, there's going to be issues and we're in the people business. So there's always going to be issues. Just be the best you you can be. Uh, You've got to stay up with your devotion life. Don't let it slide. You got to stay up with your prayer life or you'll find yourself being the one that's being snippy. You'll find yourself being the one that is impatient. You'll, but that's that's a big key to continually being in that role, ministering to other people with the right attitude is you have to be before God first 
and constantly have be, being fed with worship music constantly. I like to watch some of the sermons on TV by certain people. I select the ones that ministers to me. I'm constantly pouring into me so I can pour out to them. But if I quit that, I find, I find that I'm short-tempered. Mm-hmm. I'm very tired. I don't want to mess with it. I want to get in my car as soon as service is over and go home. Mm-hmm. you know, let my husband deal with the people, you know, I understand all that. There was a time we had a seven week revival. It was eight Sundays. I was canning during the day. I had uh, little kids. My kids were little. I'm dealing with all them. I'm playing the piano till late at night, every night, doing all the worship, all the singing. I was so exhausted. I just wanted to sit and cry. And a lot of times I would just cry all the way home. And I would just have to say, now, Lord, give me strength for another day. Because it was an amazing revival that turned, that healed the name of the church in the city in Jackson, Tennessee, and just turned everything around. But God had to, it's like that, that what I told you earlier, step by step, according to what you have to do next, God will meet you there and walk with you there. And as, as we learn that, and as we teach that to the women, they will begin to grow and then they will teach it to other women. They will begin to grow. And we keep using these same things and saying these same things, because it, if we don't do it, we stop doing it. We stop being righteous in situations. Has there been a time in your life that you felt in ministry that you were silently bleeding? And if so, how did you deal with that? There was a time. I was the choir director, the um, worship leader for the church. My husband did music, but he also did youth and we'll arrange. We did all these jobs. And in the beginning of December, I miscarried our son and uh, we have three daughters, but we, I miscarried our son during that time, a miscarriage. People don't know what to say. People don't know how to act. They act like it didn't happen. But in the midst of that, I'm dying inside. I'm bleeding inside. And I needed someone to love me. I needed someone to just talk to me. I needed friends, but they weren't there. It, the people kind of were standoffish because they didn't know how to act. But I still had the responsibility of the, of the Christmas play. I still had the choir responsibilities for Christmas season, the Sunday, Christmas, Sunday morning. I still had all the responsibilities for the youth program, for the children's, the, Chris, the youth Christmas party. All the things that I would normally have to do as a pastor's wife on staff at a church, at a big church, I still had all those responsibilities. So I had to take it moment by moment and ask the Lord for strength for that moment, for that task to help me focus and get that task done. Even though my, I, it's almost like you push a pause button on my grief and let me get through it. And then it would happen again. Then for the next task, I would do that until the grief began to ease up. I had to just keep walking, even though I was bleeding inside, because there were people that were reached through that Christmas program that would not have been reached if I had just canceled the whole thing. So it was, ministry is so important, but you are important too. And God sees you in your circumstance and will walk with you no matter uh, how you're hurting inside at the time. Well, you definitely have a lifetime of experience to share with us pastor's wives. And I'm so appreciative for you doing this. What word of wisdom do you have for the pastor's wife or female pastor that is watching right now that is struggling with her own personality, feeling like I want to be used by God, but I'm really struggling. Maybe they have a very uh, introverted uh, personality or maybe extroverted and either can you know, be difficult at times. What word of encouragement do you have for that precious woman right now? First, I would take that very thing to the Lord. 
And I would say, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I'm very nervous and get afraid of people. And I don't want it to say in the crowds. And I don't want to mess anything up for my husband that he has to fix. I don't want to be a problem, but I want to find a balance. Mm-hmm. And if you're the extrovert and you're always getting in trouble, always sticking your foot in your mouth, you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to temper me down and help me to know when to bite my tongue. Help me to fit. It's like you're trying to sort of fit in a role, but don't lose who you are. You're never going to please everyone in the church. It's not possible. If you have 25 people in your church, you're not going to please them all. If you have 325 people in your church, you're sure not going to please them all. You just be the best you can be in pleasing the Lord. And it's enough. And you ask him to help you. Um, I I know for, for years, I like to be behind the piano because I didn't have to speak. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't have to say anything, just had to sing and lead. And then at the altars, I, I didn't have to get close to people. I didn't have to pray for people. I didn't have to come up with prayers. I didn't have to do any of that because I was behind the piano. But God began to change that and begin. And when he before he called us to, to missions, he began to change that. And I had to begin to speak up and start speaking. But I had to learn According to where God takes you in ministry, he'll adjust you according to what you have to do. I had, instead of, I like, if I was going to teach a Sunday school class, I wanted the little kids because I couldn't mess that up. I didn't want the adults who had all the problems, who had those little kids and was asking how to raise them. I didn't, I mean, I worked hard on my kids, but I didn't want to help them. So the Lord had to change me, but he did it gradually. He's such a gentleman. He's so kind. He's not going to throw you to the wolves on the first two days. He's going to be kind and generous and quiet and slow with you. And then as you allow him to fix this or allow him to do that, or you listen to him and you obey, you listen to him and you obey. He'll speak to you more than you obey. He'll speak to you more than you obey. And then you all of a sudden you realize you're making a difference. You're, you're, you're changing someone's life. Yeah. Someone's decided to follow Jesus because you were there. Amen. And, and, you know, we're, we're supposed to be seeking and saving the lost. That's what our job is. So when you begin to see that's happening, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep obeying. When the Lord speaks, do it. Keep on, keep on. And let him lead you. Let him build you. Let him tell you what to do next. Let him tell you to write. Let him tell you to sing. Let him tell you to teach. Let him tell you what you need to do. Do that. And after he tells you one thing, he'll tell you something else. It doesn't stop. I'm 67. It doesn't stop. It just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And But that's ministry. Find the joy in ministry again. Every time, every, so often because it gets overwhelming, we lose the joy of being in ministry. And I would just say to you, get along with God and say, Lord, to restore my joy. Because the word says he'll restore what the enemy has stolen from you. So I'm asking Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. Restore, remind me of what you've done for me. Lord, restore the joy in my heart for ministry. Restore the burden I had for the lost when I got saved. Restore these things. And it'll make a change in you. And you'll see that come out in the work of your hands and what you say and how you teach and how you speak. It'll start coming out. And ministry will be a little easier when your heart is contrite before the Lord and saying those things to him. If that, I hope that makes sense to you. Absolutely. Amen. Well, I so appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me today. And um, I know your words are just going to impact many pastors, wives, and female pastors. Thank you for joining us on Silently Bleeding Hope for the Pastor's Wife. We trust today's podcast really encouraged you. 
God bless.